Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Serve Denton Weekly, a podcast where we interview local leaders here in Denton County who are on the front lines of helping those in our community. I'm your host, Ian Harbour. I've got three words. Back to school. Normally, if I said those words, it would bring images of backpacks and school supplies and first day of school photos to mind. But now it probably conjures fear. Going back to school during a pandemic is one of the most difficult conversations that we're having as a country today. And there's no shortage of ideas or opinions on what should or shouldn't happen with our schools here in just a few weeks. So today I talk with the Chief Communications Officer of Denton ISD, Julie Zwar, about this issue. And let me just say, we don't solve all the problems. You may or may not agree with everything that is said. And my goal isn't to add to the noise of the conversation, but to allow the school district space to talk about their decision-making process and how they will help those in need during this difficult time. And the need is great. I hope you walk away from this conversation knowing a little bit more about this upcoming semester, having heard directly from Denton ISD. All right, I am here with Julie Zwar, the Chief Communications Officer of Denton ISD. Julie, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you know, this is a this is such a crazy time. Um, you're with Denton ISD, and I think schools are, you know, one of the things people are talking about most right now, because how, how do you do school um, with a virus and all of that? And, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on today to talk about a lot of that. And but before we get into some of that, I want you to take me back to March when all this hit. If I remember right, it was like the week before spring break. No, it was the week. of. It was the week break. of spring break. Yes. Yeah. March 7th will always be indelible in my mind. It's just ingrained. Yes. In there now. March 7th is when we all knew that something was about to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What a yeah, that was a crazy time. Take me back to then. What what was kind of going on when everything hit? It came in. It's spring break. Um, kids are going to be back in a week. What were some of the decisions that had to quickly be made during that time? What were some of those conversations like? Well, first, I think it's uh, for context. You know, anytime something nationally is going on, like a pandemic, like a major national natural disaster, uh, something that could impact families in our community, our school system has a team that monitors that, just like when we monitor for inclement weather overnight, just like when we talk about um, things that happen that impact families either in the state of Texas or in the Denton ISD community. And just for reference, I mean, Denton ISD, we have 18 communities. It's not just the city of Denton that we serve. So we serve the heart of Denton and then 18 outlying communities with 32,000 students and 4,000 and change employees. That's so many students. So we're the second largest employer outside of University of North Texas in our community. Wow. So when we make decisions, it has far reaching impact. And that's something that we do not take lightly. So when this all started rolling out and we were monitoring um, the COVID-19 coronavirus at that point, it hadn't been declared a pandemic um, as such for our, our country, much less our community. Um, we were technically all on break. We were on spring break. And so um, we started reaching out. And while everyone was at 
their grandmother's house or at Disney World or Colorado or wherever they were, the leadership team of the district, we started immediately communicating with one another, trying to figure out what exactly this meant, what was about to happen. And so then we saw districts and other leaders in Texas starting to decide not to return from spring break. And so as every day went through that first week of March, we too then decided that ultimately we needed to take a break, not bring everyone back into close quarters who had traveled during spring break. And so ultimately, that's when we decided to not come back to school the Monday following spring break. Wow, that's there's so many difficult things that I think all this time brought up for for everybody. But for you guys, I I can't imagine having to make decisions for 36,000 people between students and employees. That's a a lot of responsibility, obviously. Um, And I, I know that you guys don't take that lightly in the slightest. We don't. With all the challenges that were coming up, is there a challenge that really stands out to you is that was a, a difficult one to um, get or, you know get your hands around at the time or, or to solve at the time um, back in March or, or even throughout the summer trying to trying to figure this whole thing out. I would say as we rolled forward week after week, each week presented a different and what seemed to be a monumental task or a challenge. I feel like every week for everybody has been completely different than the last week. Yes, yes, because everyone's perception started changing. We had never closed school for an emergency that we couldn't tangibly see or Mm. explain to people. And we had to rely on other experts to help advise us and make those decisions. So immediately... Uh, we reached out to the Denton County Health Department and Dr. Richardson over there. We cannot say enough amazing things about that man. He has helped us all along the way, uh, not just by helping us be updated with the tracking of cases, but helping us understand the magnitude and helping advise us from a healthcare perspective some of the critical decision points we needed to reach to make a pivot one direction or another. For example, Um, When you live in a school system that 43% of students only receive meals through the cafeteria, only receive meals when they come to school, and typically lots of those kids, we send food home for them to share with the rest of their family. When you realize that they're not coming back to school for a week, two weeks, a month, three months at a time, You definitely have to shift your way of thinking and really get down to what is the most critical, most important thing we can do to serve our families right now. And number one was basic needs. For lots of our teachers and lots of our principals and lots of our school leaders, they were trying to shift their mind from, hey, I'm so worried that my students are not going to maintain their reading level or they're not going to be successful at a certain topic or a certain subject because we were working and making so much progress with them educationally that we had to remind them to pair that back. We have to go back to basic needs. They need food. They need health care. They need a responsible adult because at that point, if you think about it, parents were still working with their children at home. 
So we had to come up with ways for our teachers to reach students who are most in need and provide them activities and things they can do to occupy their time while their parents continued to work. Now, we all know now that a couple weeks later, the stay-at-home order from the governor came out, and so then everybody was under one roof. And that helped us pivot to how do we continue instruction? How do we teach remotely? Because quite honestly, some teachers are more adept at that than others. And we had to make sure our students even had internet access. We had to reach out and try to find um, laptop computers. We held drive-by opportunities for parents to drive through schools. Of course, at that point, we were learning about social distancing. We were learning about wearing masks, and we were learning all the things we needed to do to keep people healthy and safe. And so we divided the drive-through system. So at several of our elementary schools, people would drive through and check out uh, laptop computers for them to use so that they could connect with their teachers online. And we also had hotspots, little internet hotspots for maybe some of our underserved communities that didn't have um, wireless or, or coax cable to their, their neighborhoods. We had to provide them the internet access so that we could at least be in touch with them. Yeah. Man, one thing, you know, you mentioned is that there's kids who they may not even have internet access, you know, or have laptops. Which to or, some people is mind boggling. Yeah. But in Denton ISD and in Denton, Texas today, that's still the case. Right. And I think that's what, you know, it can be easy. And, and I think I understand it, but it could be easy to say, well, why not just go 100% online? But that presents a whole other range of challenges to in order to make that possible. Um, and, and, you know, coming to what school is going to look like this year, I know you guys have just sort of released some of what that information is going to be. Um, and I'd love to hear you talk more about it. But, you know, talking about online versus in class, masks, no masks. And, and I think prefacing all of this with understanding when you're dealing with a situation like this, there is no perfect answer. I think any solution, no matter what it's going to be, is going to be somewhat flawed just by nature. But knowing with what y'all know and going with what you have, what is this school year going to look like for parents and kids? Well, first, let me say that we have an incredible superintendent who constantly reminds us that don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Mm. We don't have to roll out a perfect plan. We just have to roll out a plan that can make progress. And every day we change the plan. That's the amazing thing and the frustrating thing. Um, the second thing I want to make sure everybody understands is all of us who are the leaders and who are making these decisions, we're parents too. We <laughs> have students in every one of these schools. We have students in all of these extracurricular activities. So when we're making decisions, we really take them to heart. They're not going to be perfect, but we're trying to make progress and trying to get kids back to learning, whatever that looks like. Um, so just one week ago, the Texas Education Agency sent out guidelines of what school should look like when we return in August, exactly seven days ago, actually. Hmm. So we had been planning behind the scenes, trying to anticipate what their decision and their guidance was going to be. So shortly after, we let our parents know that they're going to today 
the options are because this could change. I mm-hmm. want everybody to understand this too could change. We're we're in a we're in a crisis. Yes, you know what yes, I mean. We're I pivoting. Everybody's we're, trying to take this one day at a time. Right. That's exactly right. Um, you can opt and register for your student to return to campus, which we're calling face-to-face learning. And your second option we're calling connected learning. And that is the option to go totally, completely online to campus. That's not a separate online school. We want our kids to remain connected with one of our 43 schools. So every school, now think about the magnitude of that. Right. Every school is going to have a team that administers the online component. So the last two weeks and the next six weeks moving forward, we are pulling in all of those educators and workshopping and planning and teaching and having staff development about what that is going to look like. We know our teachers are amazing at face-to-face learning. They're just going to have to practice on the safety and wellness procedures, and we can do that. It's the online connected learning that's a new component because we've never while we did it in a short time remotely in the spring we know we need to deliver a robust and very um, rigorous curriculum for the connected learning piece to keep kids on task yeah so you know i think you're talking about how um and what that number you said earlier i think you said it was 46 percent of your students receive meals at school that, they that means that their family lives below what is designated by the government as the impoverished level right and th- and that's 46 percent of, of thirty-two thousand students correct and so that that presents a whole nother range of challenges and working here at served Denton, you know one thing that we've seen is the resurgence or the the surge of of need that's in our county just working with our nonprofit partners and seeing the people that they're helping and and all the people that are in need now that weren't before, or if they were before, it's even more now. I was gonna say, we are seeing and tracking those numbers and those numbers are on the rise because of layoffs, because of furloughs. And some of our schools that had higher rates, some of our schools that had not very many, we're seeing those percentages double just during the summer. And so we're trying to send out messaging and ways for people to apply for free and reduced lunch or meal assistance right now. If you went on our website right now and you were a family that's never received assistance of that type, we would ask you to go ahead and apply now because the minute you decide and you register for school, whether it's face-to-face or connected learning, we're going to figure out how to get you meals. Stop and think about that. Yeah. If you decide as a family that connected learning is best for you and your student we're going to figure out, which has never been done before, a way to get you meals. I, that's crucial because, you know, there are so many families who they, whether it's uh, meals for their kids or um, even child care so they can get to work, you know, they, they rely on the schools a lot for that. And so what, what about for those parents that they do, they haven't necessarily been laid off, but they do have to go to work and normally they'd be working during school hours. Is there is there any plan in place to help them out with that? Well, we do have a, a last year we rolled out a pre-K program. So we're serving, you know, threes and four year olds. We also have an employee child care option for our employees. But for those who have students who are younger 
and they work for us. We don't have that option. But if you stop and think about it, if you're a second grade teacher with a six month old, you were already planning some type of childcare for when you returned in the fall. And so just this past week to give us more time to plan and more face time with our educators, our board of trustees changed the start date for our students to Wednesday, August 26th. However, teachers will continue to report on the original date of August 4th so that we can have training time with them. And again, teachers knew they were returning on August 4th a year ago because our calendar is approved a year in advance. So we basically want time face-to-face those two weeks before all 32,000 students return or if half of the 32,000 students return for face-to-face learning. We want our teachers to know exactly what they need to do in the cafeteria when they take their classes for bathroom breaks, when they go to recess, what does library time look like, what does the gym look like, what about music class, what about art class. We are literally having to reinvent what school looks like in a matter of eight weeks. Which is no easy task. No. By any means. And, you know. But I think we're up to the task. It's not going to be perfect, mm, but it's going to be progress. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about those parents, and I think that's, you were talking about having those meals, still getting them to those families that are, are doing the online learning from home. And I, I think that's such a crucial element to all of this. And I do hope that's something that people listening to this take away is as imperfect as any system right now is going to be that you guys are doing what you can to, to try to take care of those families that don't feel comfortable sending their kids back to school face to face like that. And I think that's really important. Well, and, and also don't underestimate the fact that this is a healthcare crisis. We have registered nurses on all 43 of our campuses. So we also want families to know that we have access to resources. We have a dedicated registered nurse in that front office that can help families if they need that type of assistance too. We have counselors on every campus. You know, the mental strain and the and the stress that this places on families has been enormous. I mean, all of us have felt that. So there's counselors available for our families, which is why we so desperately want people to come back to school. If it's safe and you feel safe doing that, we want you to come back to school. That's way we can help. I mean, educators by nature are helpers. We want to help families in our community. Um, You know, it's amazing that without a whole lot of planning, we were able to serve well over half a million meals in about eight weeks right there at the close of school. Wow. Half a million meals to families in need. No one was turned away. Regardless of your income level, we wanted to make sure that you had food in your household. And at the same time, um, when we were distributing meals, we had all of our principals, all of our school nurses, all of our counselors out walking the car lines as people were were waiting for the meals just to do a little check-in if they needed extra assistance, if they needed a referral for some other kind of services that we didn't have they were there acting as a conduit of information for many of our families. So to, to wrap all this up, I mean, you know, obviously this is a very stressful time for everybody. I think this is the time that we all knew was coming eventually, you know, was that we're going to get through summer. 
but at some point we have we have to go back to school and we got to figure out what this looks like and so here we are and it's stressful for a lot of people if you could say just one thing to the people who attend your schools um, about this crisis about this upcoming school year what would you love for them to hear i would love for them to know that we are trying to make very thoughtful decisions and that the information for us coming in and what we're pushing out changes every day. Um, I think we need to all have patience and a little grace with each other because we don't know the answers immediately. Um, you know, last week we launched a website, www.dentonisd.org forward slash back to school. So if you went on our website, you would see all of our safety protocols, all of our uh, stu our staff expectations and how to register and decide whether you want your student to return for face-to-face -face learning or for connected learning. Now, in another three weeks, there's going to be a whole new set of pieces of information on that website. So just keep checking back as you hear information online or in the news or from your neighbors or from staff. Um, just keep checking back because we're keeping the constant flow of information going. But again, um, you know, just be great. Be gracious to one another. Be gracious to the people who are trying to make the decisions and um, know moving forward, we're just all in this together. And if nothing else, this shows us that our sense of community is what can help make a positive impact on this whole situation and to take care of one another. That's really what we all need to know from this. Well, Julie, I really do appreciate you coming on today. I know this is a, a crazy time for, for you guys and for all of us, um, but you know, trying to make the best decisions that we can. And I love that you're still finding creative solutions to take care of your families and train your teachers and, and all of that. I know that you guys are, are doing a great job. So thanks so much for coming on and, and uh, I appreciate you having you. Thank you. And we really appreciate your support. So thank you. <laughs> Obviously, this is a difficult conversation, and I know this may not leave everyone satisfied, but I hope that it at least brings some insight into how decisions are being made and the effort that is going into trying to take care of the most vulnerable students and families. If you found this conversation helpful, you could share it with a family member, coworker, or friend, or on your social media. You know, every week, our goal is to bring you an insightful conversation from local leaders here in Denton on local issues like this one every single week. So be sure to hit that subscribe button to get those new episodes automatically. I hope you enjoy this episode and next week we'll be back with another one. As always, thanks for listening.